fashion insider friends. What is up? This is the Fashion Crimes Podcast, where I cover all things fashion, style, shopping, style inspiration, and interview incredible small business owners who are changing the fashion industry for the better. Yes, I'm the best friend you never knew you needed and the poster child for fashion over 40. And I mean, way after 40. Say it with me. Fashion and style are your friends, not your enemies. I'm Holly Cates, your favorite personal stylist, and let's keep it real, the only Holly you need to know. Turn it up, because I got a lot to say, and I am super stoked you're here. Hey there, howdy, what's up, how's it going, and what's the haps? My name is Holly Cates, your favorite personal stylist, and of course, the hostess with the mostest, and again, like I've said a bajillion, bajillion times, the only Holly you need to know. This is the Fashion Crimes Podcast, and today, yes, today is our 100th episode. If you are joining us for the first time, I would like to say, damn it, welcome. Glad to have you. So happy to see your face. If you have been a supporter of the podcast, please make sure you hit up our website at thefashioncrimespodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter where you will be automatically a part of our Fashion Insider Bestie crew, where you will get the podcast delivered straight to your inbox every single week. You heard it here, y'all. That is free fashion content, shopping tips, and advice for fashion over 40. And I mean, let's keep it real, way over 40. OMG, today I would like to thank God, Jesus, Allah, the universe, the Quran, I mean, whatever religiousness I can throw in there for the biggest, the baddest, the bestest BFD of all BFDs here on the Fashion Crimes Podcast. If you don't know what a BFD is, it is a big fucking deal. Please welcome Melissa Rivers. Happy 100th birthday. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You look great for a hundred. I look amazing. I look amazing. I mean, my esthetician is killing it. I say, and it's all simply fill in lasers. I mean, right, right, right. I mean, to, I am so honored that you were here when my publicist, Diana, God bless her. She was like, I got Melissa Rivers. I said, no. She said, yes. I said, no. She said, yes. We went back and forth for like 15 minutes. Anyway, Melissa, You've got, uh, listen, you've penciled me in your schedule. Let's get this underway. You're a writer, a producer, a mental health advocate, a podcaster, and a mother to your son, Cooper. Your latest project right here, Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman by the Post Hill Press, was released this year just a few months ago. How on the planet did you narrow down all of those lies to the final list of lies that made it into the book? And you please feel feel free to intro your book if you'd like. Oh, sure. In my book, this here's the frightening part. People keep thinking it's a memoir. And it's not. It is very clearly satire and all that. And it started out by writing an art, starting to write an article. Because everyone kept saying to me, what would your mother be saying about this? What would your mother be saying about this? And then my writing partner and I were like, hmm, you know, let's see how far we can push this. Then we realized we wanted to rewrite the history of the world in my mother's voice. And then we narrowed it down to kind of a parenting sort of thing. I don't know how we ended up there, but we're like, what could we come up with that would be the most outrageous 
lies my mother could tell and have people believe them. And apparently we did. I mean, I read your book in like three days and I'm not like a fast reader. It's a light, easy, fun. And we wrote it during COVID. Everyone's brain needed a break. We simply wanted to do something that was silly and light and fun because there's all this heavy news and all these serious books and everything coming at us just by existing right now. And literally you can pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. It takes a minute to read and it's just silly. I had the funnest time reading it. And I will tell you, we do have the Jew connection because I'm a Southern Jew and listening to what Joan was saying to you, calling you the wrong name, calling your son the wrong name, telling you you're going to be single because you like sports. Like that was my mother, Marilyn, like over my shoulder. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're this kind of Jew, that kind of Jew, how observant you are. All Jewish moms are the same. Basically, all moms are the same. Italian moms. There's very few moms that are not somehow that way in their own sort of specifically cultural way. Right. I mean, it was amazing. And so I have my favorite parts listed. And for the sake of time, let's discuss three because we got a lot of ground to cover today. I'm going to read all of them to you and you pick which one you would like to elaborate on. I know. I want to know what your favorite three are. Oh, first of all, your gunkle. So anybody who doesn't know what a gunkle is or have any gays, a gunkle is a gay uncle. Okay. So I just want to disclaim that you had a gunkle, Robert. And you were so proud that you had dressed your Barbie, whatever. I think he was babysitting you. Uh And he was like, girl, like he was so disappointed because she was wearing flats. I was, (laughs) that was just in the core of my soul. It just made me so happy. I mean, that, that made me so happy. What to say when you think someone's baby is ugly, how most parents know what to say. And we're like, "Mm, hope she's smart. I did not. I have babies and I have, that's why step parenting is so great for me, but I'm always like, her kids are not cute. Her baby's not cute. Jonathan's like, you cannot say that. You cannot say that. You can't say it to the parent. Like I used to say to my mom, there are no words, right? Look at that baby. There are no words. I mean, because it's just that spoke to me, but it's it's a tie for the last two. Okay. Her pressure on you to start getting married at age nine, that <laughs> was hysterical because what's funny is that she was serious. Like it wasn't like, ha ha, I'm being fine. No, she was dead serious to get you married off as quickly, as prominently as possible. And how your mother said that if she married Kermit the Frog, that you would have so much more gorgeous legs than you do. And that. <laughs> killed me because that is something I just relate. So please elaborate on those. Okay. Well, first of all, I think everybody, you know, and Robert's obviously a compilation of a lot of people. And we like to say a confirmed bachelor, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's always so funny when you hear families talk about the relative that they don't necessarily, it doesn't have to be gay. Right. not mainstream, shall we say. Right. Or light on their feet is the old fashioned way. Light on their feet. Oh, 
always a hit with the ladies. And yes. you look and they're like, you know, especially in the South, they know the term a walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. For sure. You know, who's always on the arm of some some rich lady at an event. Oh, always. Yeah. And it was just fun to sort of take everything to an extreme. So, of course, I had my parents had very close friends that were gay. I actually two of my godfathers were gay. That was not something in my you know wheelhouse that was odd. Right. So then it was my writing partner. I like would be what would be the funniest thing that would happen in that situation? And it's a compilation. It was a very good friend of my my parents that would take me out and let me drink and smoke. (laughs) And I look back now and I say, what did you, what were you thinking when you let this person take me out? They're like, yeah, we knew you'd get home. They were like, you want to take her? That sounds great. Like, yeah, yeah, perfect. And we, and it was someone who owned a lot of nightclubs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think because I was raised on the road and backstage and that, that it never, my parents never thought that what kind of trouble could I possibly getting into with Uncle Steve with me? Right, right. Meantime, he's like, what do you want? Long Island iced tea. Here you go. You know, <laughs> you're smoking a cigarette at 16, you know, drinking. But it would be fun. We were always just like, my mother always used to say, and this is what sort of spun this story. Her big joke was always when, you know, when you're a little girl and you take like your Barbies in the bath with you. Mm-hmm. And my mother used to joke when they were sitting on the edge of the tub, it looked like a row of hookers. <laughs> so that's sort of how that story yeah. seemed to be. Now- is it a good hooker? Like my best gay, Nolan, likes to say, is she a hooker at the Four Seasons or is she not? Because if she's not a hooker at the Four Seasons, she's not a good hooker. Well, my mom was working in Vegas a lot. Yeah, I got you. So I, I, I think we are above someone actually literally working the strip. <laughs> and maybe someone that a casino host would, would bring to a high roller. There's levels, like there's levels of gay, there's levels of hooker, right? There's levels of hooker. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about, oh God, who was it? It was someone. And we were talking about high-class hookers. Mm-hmm. And she's very pretty. And she's like, you know, I've been approached. I'm like, I'm sure. Because <laughs> she's single and boobs and butt. Right, and right, right. Pretty. You know, she's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think she's like 40, 38 now. She's like, oh, yeah, I used to be approached all the time. And we were rattling off names of supposed matchmakers. That's like the new word for perhaps escort provider for. Right. It, it, that's the politically correct way to say that. Yeah, exactly. So that's how that story kind of sprung from our heads. Gotcha. You know, and again, we would see how far we could push things. We did. And it was fun and it was silly and fun. And look, you responded to it because it's just, there's always that little grain of something in those stories that somebody can relate to, even if it's just having an aunt or an uncle that was the troublemaker. Yeah. And would let the kids drink or let the kids smoke. The funniest part of the book, and I know this goes to the next point of your her pressure to, on you to get married at, starting at age nine and you were so funny because you were divorced at this point and you would say you used to play sports or you like sports. You're really into sports. You like to watch sports. You know, it's kind of your thing. You have a boy and you like, you know, you like it. And you had gotten divorced and she said, see, that's why you're still single. And you're like, maybe she's right. 
Like, yeah, I, I, you know, I was on every team and I right. was competitively and I had a son or have a son. And, you know, I was the mom who was out there throwing the ball with them and this and that and the other. You're sporty. I'm sporty. I always have been. I don't like extraneous balls flying at my face. I'm not, I'm not sporty and I'm not built for speed. I did dance, theater, drama. Like that was my, my sisters played sports. I did not. Uh uh-uh. I still, I taught, I'm the one that taught my son to surf. I, you know, we still do all these things together. Amazing. I admit that I had that horrible moment running across a tennis court where I realized that I lost a step, that I was actually a full step slower than I used to be. And literally that, it means nothing to you, but it was very upsetting to me. Oh, let me tell you, tennis in the South rules all. My, I mean, yeah. it is a big deal, big, big, big deal. So I totally get that. Well, that's so you have a reason to go to the club yes. other than to just sit and drink. Right. And it's wrapped up in I have a game. Or pretend like you like golf. Ooh, I don't golf. I have enough frustration in my life. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh-uh. Again, the ball thing. No, not at my face. They shouldn't be flying in your face in golf. Just saying. No, not at all. But I've always enjoyed watching sports. And I used to watch football with my dad and this and that and the other. And it turns out that men seem to not like when you know more about sports than them. (laughs) It is not your fault that you're smarter than them. Like my mother always said, curb how smart you are when you first are getting to know them. Because no man, she had a great joke, which is, No man ever put his hand up a woman's dress looking for a library card. (laughs) I got to put that on a t-shirt or a pillow. Yeah. You know, she was always like, we all know you're smart. You can be super smart after, but no man wants to think that you know significantly more than them. And I found myself doing that the other night in a big heated debate. (laughs) And I thought to myself, ooh, cool it, cool it. Take it down a notch, girl. Because your mom was such a big part of Hollywood and comedy and variety shows back in the day and all that kind of thing, I'm sure she did come across Kermit the Frog and she might have been slightly attracted to him. Let's be honest. Well, there was the infamous fight with Miss Piggy. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to say that one's going to really be up to the reader to decide. (laughs) I mean, because what if he was your dad? You could be a supermodel. I could. I wouldn't be 5'3", and I just happened to be wearing green today, so maybe (laughs) there's something to it. That was a laugh-out-loud moment for me, because that, to me, I felt like she really thought for a second she would have long, gorgeous legs if I would have married her. That could have been a possibility, and I love her for that. I love her for that. That was incredible. You never know. Yeah, you also don't know how the genetics are going to play out. It's like, what? Look, it's it's all good. Some of us have been bobbing for apples in the gene pool before. I've been there. You've been, let's call it what it is. Yeah, we've all been, as I like to call it, genetic roulette. Yes. Our listeners are so excited, Melissa, that you are here. And they are very interested in your fashion advice, if we could switch gears for just a second. I am 48. I'm approaching 49. I like to call it the 50 upswing. But what is the best advice that you can give someone about being excited about life after 50? Please enlighten us, oh guru. Oh God, there's not much to be excited about. Come on. Yes, there no, is. Uh, fashion wise? Any, anyone. What is your I, advice? Oh God. <laughs> the struggle is real. Well, that's um, true. Gravity is the enemy. 
What's good about it for me is I hit a point in my life that I just don't give a fuck. So are you 54 now, may I, may I say that out loud? Pumping up on it. Okay, when's your birthday? January. January, okay, so you just turned 53. Well, it's June, so not just. Oh, well, the, okay, so you'll be, 50, okay, so sorry, I thought you were 54, so you're 53. So at 53, is there a big difference between 50 and 53 or not really? It just, for me, it just freaked me out more. Really? Because I don't, you know, but what they say is now 50 is the new 40 and 40, 30 is the new 20. And I do believe that. And what's fascinating to me is you look at all the top, top, top actresses now and the top, top, top fashionistas in Hollywood. They're all either 48, 49 or significantly over 50. And I think that says a lot. Right. I mean, you look at like Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett. You know, you Julia uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's forty-eight. Is she really? Yeah, or forty-seven, but right in that wheelhouse. And you look at all those actresses, and you're like Halle Berry. You're like mm-hmm. somehow something clicked. And yes, there's still the younger this and that and the other. And you've got the Jennifer Lawrence and and you know this one and that one who are all amazing. But I think it's a really interesting sort of sociological thing to look at it and say, who are considered the most beautiful women in the world right now? Yep. I mean, and like Kim Kardashian's approaching 40. And I mean, she's mid, I don't even, let's find out. Hold on. <laughs> Hold, please. Hey, Siri, how old is Kim Kardashian? Kim Kardashian is 41 years old. Oh, she's 41. Snore, Siri. she's 41. She's not yeah. old. No, but I'm saying, but think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. needs to be over the hill. And I think that is a really positive way to look at it. For me, it was also, you, I really have figured out who I am, which they say you used to do in your 40s. Right. And now you really do it in your late 40s, early 50s. You, you finally have a grip on who you are. And a good Botox person and esthetician doesn't hurt. Just saying. Nope. And lasers. Laser. What kind of laser? Tell us. I never know what they're called, but once a year, I always do my chest, which right now is very red because I was out playing yesterday and I, I was thought I got fooled and knew that it was overcast, but I do like the one on my chest and my neck. And I do, I do my chest every fall. Is it for sunspots? Is that it's for sunspots? It smooths it out. It's resurfacing. It's all that I do my neck twice a year with the Does it laser. hurt? I mean, hurt, having a leg, a limb cut off hurts. That means it hurts. That means no, it hurts. No, it's discomfort. And they give, you take a pain pill, they put the numbing cream on you and you're, dead. I got you. It's nothing. Like I was, people are always like, oh my God, it's so painful. No, it's really not. It's discomfort that's beyond manageable that you're choosing to have done to yourself. Correct. Correct. You don't get to bitch. You know, <laughs> I always talk to my my laser ladies and the whole thing, and they're like, "You're so good about it." I'm like, "They're like, oh, people come in here and complain." I'm like, "Don't do it." Right? No, I hear you. I complain about Botox because it makes me mad because I have to do it, and I don't do it as often as I should. But I do look better when I do it, and I need to just shut up and just get over it. The fact that I can't not do it anymore, I just can't. 
Yeah. And you have to be honest with yourself. And, and I, you know, I have friend, one of my friends is like, Oh my God, the laser hurts so bad. I'm like, and your skin's going to look amazing in a week. Yeah. And I, yeah. And this will be, but it's like they always say about childbirth, you actually forget how painful it was or how difficult it was or anything. Like I was miserable pregnant, miserable and had yeah. all sorts of complications and on bed rest and it was hideous. And then I think to myself, you know, all these years later, wasn't that bad. Oh, uh, well, but it was, I know it was, Yes, it, you know, it's like anything you, it, if it's something you want, you manage to get through it. I mean, cause your mom, you know, was the queen of procedures, let's say. Mm-hmm. And she always said I, somebody, I can't remember what show it was. And she, somebody had asked her, should I do it? And she goes, Oh my God, do it do it, do it, do it. And she, in in a serious note, she just said, it really does make you feel better about yourself. Like she always said, anything that makes it easier for you to look in the mirror in the morning, because life's hard enough. Agreed. Life is hard enough that you don't, you know, deal with what you can. And if other people don't like it too bad. When you look at people, maybe your friends, maybe people that live, you know, in your community or, People you see at the grocery store. I mean, what do you think the biggest problem women in midlife encounter with fashion and style? Getting stuck. Thank you. I agree with you. Also, I always say you're allowed to do trend light. Yes. You're not going to wear a crop top, but if you have the body for it, your t-shirt can just brush the top of your you know, be a half inch below the waistband of your jeans or whatever. So you get the idea of the crop top without it actually being a crop top. As I always say, certain things are a privilege, not a right. And could you give that crop top explanation to Marilyn, my mother, because she always says, I've been wearing a crop top since I was 12. I work out, whatever. She said, aren't you too old to be wearing a crop top? I said, it touches the top of my waistband. I'm not showing any skin. As long as you're not showing skin. Again, it's about, you know, maybe be a quarter to half inch below your jeans, you know, the waistband. You hear that, Marilyn? Melissa Rivers said it's okay. Yes. Okay? When you put your hands up, it doesn't like fly up. Yes. Agreed. You know, or don't put, or when you sit, nothing accidentally shows. But that's my whole thing is like, you can still wear the trends, but understand it has to be trend light and one at a time. And a- age appropriate. You can like simulate a trend. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing with the same right. feel, but adjust it to your age. And like I said, when I work with people, people are stuck. Yeah. Like, and proportions. Yeah. You know, now with everyone with the big puffy sleeves does not look good on me. I've never been someone who, you know, my mom could wear all these big things near her face. I cannot. I have never been able to wear big, fussy near my face. She was smaller than me, but she, That's what these, I thought. but she would have these great jackets with big collars. I can't do that. I've never been able to. I don't know why. Maybe it's because she had the confidence to do them. Maybe it's because her hair was always shorter. Yeah. Her neck was longer rather than short. I mean, I don't know. I can't do it. So like all these big puffy sleeves now, I have a couple of shirts that just have a little, you know, a little, a little poof, a little poof in the shoulder and not where you're seeing in the magazines, all this very like, and I love the oversized trend. 
Right. But mine has to be essence of oversized. So what it's not exaggerated is what you're saying. Right. It's essence of. And as you get older, you better find a good tailor. Thank you. Alterations is key. Okay. And as my mother used to say, you could have a $10,000 dress that's not fit properly and it's going to look like a hundred bucks. You can have a hundred dollar dress that is beautifully tailored. It's going to look like a $10,000 dress. You heard it here, y'all. Straight from Melissa Rivers, fashion queen. She knows. Okay. And I always preach alterations because some people can buy off the racks. Some people can't. And if you can't, you got to make it work. Sorry. You don't get to opt out. No. And even if it's just shortening a cuff or a sleeve, a little, an inch, it's going to make it look so much better. So much better. So much better. May I ask when your mother, your mother is no longer with us, her clothes, are they in your house? Do you wear some of her clothes? We had very different body types. Mm -hmm. So a lot of her stuff didn't fit me in certain areas and did fit me or too tight in others. We had very, and you know, and she had everything tailored within an inch of its life. Oh, I'm sure. literally within an inch of its life. So there was not a lot of room. All most of the jackets looked too overwhelming on me. A few of them I recut. Good. A lot. Some got auctioned off. I saved some of the more, some of the more very important pieces are in storage for, because I've been asked for them for retrospectives and things like that. That's so nice. And I, a lot of it was donated. All of her like everyday clothes were completely donated. All, you know, the 600 pairs of black pants and she of wore course. all went to shelters. Good. All of that kind of stuff. And then I have kept a selection of them that I donate to charities for auctions. Very nice. I mean, and I have her favorite old crappy travel sweater in my closet. Oh, I love that. That's I'm sure that provides a lot of comfort for you. It does. It's just hanging there in my closet. Just like I have my dad's old bathrobe. Right. Right. The legend lives on. The legend lives on. But, but I mean, I don't, you know, it becomes so maudlin, you know, and by the way, and a lot, I let a lot of her friends have some of the bigger pieces that I thought they, that I thought they would like. And they did. And it meant a ton to a number. There's about six or seven people that I gave significant coats, pieces of fashion, things like that too. Was she into fur? Did she have a thousand fur coats? She had quite a few fur coats. I can only imagine the fur, the fur, the fur. And what we used to do when she stopped buying fur, she took a lot of her old stuff. And I did this with some of the coats she had left. And we had them made into throws. Oh, wow. So I gave a lot of her friends those throws. Oh, my God. I can just see it now. How big was her closet? I have to know. Not as big as you would expect because it was a New York apartment. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Not as big, but things would get shifted in and out. Do you consider yourself a fashion person right now? I love fashion. I love looking at fashion. Do I wish, you know, was my body was still in the shape that it used to be in that I could wear a lot of different fashion? Um, But I've always been more of a uniform person. I know what kind of works for me and mm-hmm. I don't deviate 
that much from the theme, but I do consider myself a fashion person because like this year I had the slightly slouchy suit Mm -hmm. and, you know, two oversized blazers that three oversized blazers that I wore to the ground, one Navy, one tweed and one black that I wore into the ground. I love fashion, but I think what's sad is we've really lost a lot of fashion in quotes. People aren't getting dressed up to go out to dinner, even in New York. Yeah. You know, LA has always been more casual that, you know, but this is probably the first year that I didn't buy one or two new little black dresses and just took old ones and recut them. Gotcha. Gotcha. When you say recut, do you mean alter them to look different or do you mean change them up? But yeah, alter them because everyone's body's changing, add a sleeve, take off a sleeve. I hear you. I hear you. Shorten, lengthen change, you know, maybe make the, you know, make the waist more snatched, maybe let the waistline out a little. So it's more of a sheath, that kind of stuff. I hear you. Stuff you can can do. I have like my stuff that, cause we go to fashion week. So it's like, I have my crazy ass stuff that I wear for fashion week. I have stuff that is not going to scare anybody. And then I have like my synagogue, you know, like if God forbid I had, I'd go to a funeral, whatever. So I have that. So I totally understand. What are some of your favorite brands and designers? Who are you besties with? We have to know. I'm not besties with anybody, but I'll tell you who I wear a lot of. For suits, no one better than Stella McCartney. Wow. Love it. I have a Stella McCartney too. I have one suit, an older suit from her. Yeah. It always fit. Again, it's who fits you. Yeah. Agreed. Brunello. I love uh, Brunello. Yeah. But who can afford Brunello? It's a lot. I buy like one thing from Brunello a year. His pants just happen to fit me really well. Okay. So I'll get a new pair of pants to replace an old pair from Brunello each year. So it's like, there's, I've got black, I've got gray, I've got Navy, you know, that kind of thing. Tom Ford. I love can't fit in any of my Tom Ford shit right now. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a bummer since it's made for small children. <laughs> I agree with you hundred percent. I used to wear a lot of Gucci, mm-hmm. but I'm having trouble with all the big giant bows and florals. It's yep. not working for me right now, Yep. but in the past, it's always been great for me. And uh, Saint Laurent, those are really the lanes I stay in. And then I have mostly t-shirts. I wear, I have a lot of cashmere sweaters because that's like my go-to in the winter. Mm-hmm. I can do jeans and a cashmere sweater and cute shoes. That's like my go-to. Speaking of shoes, what is your shoe jam? Are you a bag person or are you a shoe person or are you both? Both. Okay, so what... Tell us about your bags and shoes. We're dying to know. Oh God, my bags and shoes. I just cleaned out all my shoes because one of the other things, and I don't know if this has happened to you, what you're 48? 48. Okay. Have your feet started changing? Yeah. Okay. I was a six forever and I never had babies. Now, sometimes I'm a six and a half. Sometimes I'm a seven, which is so weird to me. Same thing. I was always a seven. Then after Cooper, I became a seven and a half. And then over the last couple of years it's become, I've always, then I went to between a seven and a half and eight. And now don't even show me a seven and a half. Right. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. So, um, I had to get rid of a ton of my shoes and my stylist who has been my stylist for Scott. Who's your stylist? Who's your stylist? 
a man named Carrie Fatman. He's been my mom for years. He's part of our family. He started with me when I was pregnant with my son. So that was 21 years ago. Incredible. And he keeps saying when we went, we just recently, cause I moved, went through all my shoes and I'm like, Carrie, none of these fit. And he goes, but we're going to save them as placeholders till we can replace them. And without fail, he'll come over and be like, put those ones on. I'm like, Carrie, they don't fit. Yes, they do. (laughs) No, they don't. He goes, I thought we replaced those. I'm like, no, these are the ones you're supposed to be trying to replace. He goes, well, until I find something that I like as much, you're just going to have to wear these. And I'll be like, they hurt. And that's our running joke. Right. For 21 years, he says, I don't care. Right. Right. Breathing optional. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started with breathing. Oh, breathing is optional. So I'm a stylist with a stylist. So Nolan is my best gay and my stylist. And he helps me quite a bit and shops for me. And I'm like, I can't wear a size four. Stop pulling. He said, the size doesn't matter. I don't care what the thing says. It's cut differently. It's this, it's that. I'm like, I have to breathe. He goes, says who? Yeah. Well, there was a dress for my book tour that Carrie loved on me or wanted for me, wanted for me, wanted for me, took it, brought it over. I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's two sizes too big. And he's like, that doesn't matter. Right. And recut it to fit me. And the other, I totally forgot. And the other day I took it off. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like a, it's like a 10. I'm like, when did I become a 10? Oh and yeah. Like, him. He's like, no, we cut it down two and a half, three sizes. And I totally had forgotten. So, but that's again, there's no point anymore. And by the way, you can't two and someone is six and someone else, six and someone else is four and someone else. I mean, I have jackets in my closet right now that are 44. Yeah. You know, because remember they all started making the little, the arms so tiny and the armholes and the skinny arms. Well, it's uncomfortable. And I have to yell at him and say, when I sit down, I can't breathe. Like it's hurting my lungs. And he's like, let's take a rib out. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. No. For you, so you're uncomfortable. Sit up straighter. Right. <laughs> Thank you. But the boning is poking into me. Good. It'll remind you to sit up straight. <laughs> It's painful under my arms. It's poking me. It looks good. I just, I can't. So anyway, back in the day before they had like the tape that didn't hurt and you'd be taped into everything. And then you'd come home at night and you have to peel all that tape off. Yes. He says, we can fight about it now. We can fight about it later. That's what he says to me. Yeah. We, he just went to the Alexander McQueen sample sale yesterday and he bought, what'd you get? Well, he got me a top that he bought for someone else. And anyway, it fit me and I couldn't believe how big it was. It was like a size bigger than I normally wear at McQueen. And I was like, oh my God, thank God I didn't try on the size that I thought I was going to try on, but it's cut for third graders. That's, that's what it is. So, yeah. and I tell my clients, stop tripping over the numbers, cut the tag out. But I have to say that in my head too. By the way, we all have to say that. Uh, I have we to say all that too. have to say that. I have a dress from one designer in my closet that is a four that looks like it's a two or a zero. And then I have the dra- dress from the same designer that says 10 that we then cut down. But it's just like, how could these be from the same people? It's annoying. 
It's and what someone said to me, it depends what factory it comes out of. That's exactly right. And the patterns. Yeah. And at the pattern. And the patterns do change because over the years, even though it's the same dress, it can get bigger or smaller depending on if the fabric is cost, they get a little bit better. They might give you a little bit more room or if the fabric is too expensive and price has gone up, they might cut the pattern so they don't have to use as much fabric. So it really just depends. And bags have become stupidly expensive. It's robbery is what it is. Go to the real, real. Yeah. If you want a nice bag, there are a million secondhand options. If you want a new bag, that's your right. But I do a lot of my stuff secondhand because I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. As long as it's in good condition and you can take stuff in and have it, you know, take it to your shoemaker and have them clean it up. I have a lot of bags like that that I've taken and had cleaned up because I'm not going to spend $5,000 on a shin. Correct. Melissa, let's switch gears for just a minute. You know, it's not a surprise that the fashion police didn't continue for long after the passing of your mom. I mean, who can fill those shoes other than you? And did you love the fashion police? Did you have a love-hate relationship with it? Were you so, so sad to see it go? Is it coming back? Well, we kept it on the air with me hosting for another two and a half years. Right. So it didn't just disappear. It got very prohibitively expensive. And sometimes things happen at a a fortuitous time because we shot our last show and six weeks later, Me Too broke. Right. So we did not know we were dodging a bullet, but we are. Can we ever bring it back? I would love to. Is it possible? I don't think so. Really? I wish. Okay, so here's how it would go. Here comes the actress X. Well, I'm not sure I like the dress, but that's not to say that she doesn't always look amazing. And if you saw what she wore last week, oh my God, that was one of my favorites. And she's a really good person. And normally everything she wears is fantastic. And I'm not sure that I would have necessarily picked this for her, but that doesn't mean she doesn't look good. And, you know, that... It maybe wasn't the greatest, like, I can see how what the designer was thinking, because you know the designer's a genius. <laughs> and I would never think that that designer would ever make something that isn't brilliant. And you know that they give to charity and they're a wonderful person. But I'm just not sure. I think they should have tried on a second option. That's not entertainment. Uh-huh. And that's what it have to be now. Uh, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. What are you going to say? How am I saying it? You can't say you don't like someone's dress. Can you have your own show and it, and say it and get canceled? No, can you have your own show that is like, I don't know, I, I need to think of an idea and then you can be the host and then we'll figure out the correct scripting and then we can have, we can make it elaborate. We can make it more educational. I don't know. We try, but the problem is you can't say you don't like something. <sighs> You can say not my favorite. I hear you. How many times in an hour or a half an hour can you say not my favorite? And now people know you're not being honest. I know. Then it's inauthentic. Then it's inauthentic. And the thing with fashion police is it was really honest. If we didn't like something, we said we didn't like it. We never said someone was a bad person or whatever, but you just said, I don't like it. I want to think on that one. Yeah. We're going to collab. Maybe we can do... Maybe we can think of another way to put it. Maybe it could be the politically correct fashion police. That's not. You said it's not funny. I know it's not funny. 
It's not funny. And it's Comedians not can be funny and say what they want. You can't be not funny. Not anymore. People have to be really careful. And people are very careful. And people do self-edit now and realize that it's all got to change, not necessarily for the good or the bad. It's just got to change. Would you ever consider doing stand-up? I'd rather slit my wrists. Okay, great. <laughs> How's that for an answer? Everybody always asks me. I'm like, do I look like a masochist or a sadist? No, I do not. <laughs> I have a friend that um, is a dancer and I'm like, why aren't you in the Rockettes? I don't get it. She goes, I'm just not that smiley. And I said, I appreciate your honesty. She's like, I can't do it. I'm not that happy. And you know that there's all sorts of requirements before you can even try out to be a rocket. Uh, you have to be a certain height. Oh, you have to start have at to, like age 10 to like audition. To, there's, a, there's a height requirement. Totally. But I just thought that was so funny. She goes, I'm not that happy. I was like, I, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. So places she can't work, Disneyland, Disney World. Right. Can't be a greeter at the Gap. <laughs> a greeter. All right. Let's talk about your podcast. I want to say that I have a best friend. So we're Jews. We went to summer camp. I went to summer camp in the Cascade Mountains in Western Maryland at Camp Louise. And we have reunions and we're still all besties. And so my girlfriend started an all women's podcasting company called She Podcasts. And she has big events every year. And it's amazing. And she called me and she said, you're loud you're bossy. You need to start a podcast. I said, who gives a shit of what I have to say? And she said, you'd be surprised. So two years ago, that's what happened. And I've been listening to your podcast and I'm really been loving your interviews and your topics. And my favorite, not that you asked is I'm obsessed with Peloton. I'm obsessed with Jess King. So I would appreciate a bestie introduction that I'm someone she needs to know. Just throwing it out there in the universe. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out. Just throwing it out there, no pressure. I'm also loving Perez Hilton because I loved how authentic he was. And the fact that he said, I've made a lot of mistakes. I just really respected him in that sense. And I really would love to meet him. I'm just saying, no pressure. Put it out there. Just put, uh, it, just out put there. it out there in the universe. Just put it out there in put the universe. Put it out there. And Margaret Cho, again, I love her so much. So who has been the most memorable? I don't want to say your favorite. Who has been the most memorable interview for you? And how, first of all, your podcast is called Group Text, which I now would like to invite myself to be included in your group test. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. But who has been your most memorable? And why did you start your podcast? I started my podcast because I thought it would be fun. And it is, as you've discovered too. And I thought it'd be interesting and different. And it, you know, was what kind of like seemed to be sort of the next wave of what everybody was doing. And I've really enjoyed it. <sighs> my most memorable. Because you know everybody, honey. You know what? Bob Saget. Really? I love, I love Bob so much. And I'm so glad that I got to have him on the podcast a few times, you know, and I adored him, adored him. And the most memorable is the one that's coming out today, actually, which is Chelsea Handler. So nice. I would love to listen to that. She's hilarious. That's a big one. Okay. Back to me and Jess King being best friends. I'm just saying. Do you do Peloton? Does she come to your house for dinner? Oh, first time I ever met Jess and Sophia was on the podcast. Incredible. I 
did not know them. We now follow each other on Instagram. Love it. And yeah, I got the Peloton. I was just like everybody else during COVID. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Oh, I'm not giving that up. It changes. It yeah, changes it does. what kind of mood I'm in, what I'm going to listen to, who's, you know, I was a big alley love. Yeah. Then I became Jess King. And then there was another one that I really love who I'm blanking on. Then there's one of the guys. It just, you know, for me, it just depends on who's going to actually like speak to me that day. I, yeah, I think that's valid answer because I feel the same way. I'm very music driven. Uh-huh. So, sometimes I like Broadway. Sometimes I like trap. That's why I love Just King. Sometimes I love the DJ. Sometimes I love, right. it just depends. It just depends. Yeah. yeah, totally. You have been doing your podcast for how long now? Uh, two years, two and a half years. It's two and a half years. And so you are continuing. Are you enjoying oh, yeah. it? I love doing it. I get great guests. I have the best time. And as long as they'll let me keep doing it, I'll keep doing it. I love it. My stepson, when I met him, he was 12 and in basketball shorts. And I have since styled him and his style has evolved. And now he is the biggest beast. And I've created a monster and he wants to shop all the time. So he wants me to have, he wants to come on the podcast and talk about sneakers. And I was like, my listeners don't care about Air Jordans. I'm just saying. But he, d- anyway, does your son want to come on your podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. As I was coming home this morning uh, from working out, he was walking. I was like, bye, going to get my haircut. I'm like, okay, bye. Like, I don't even think it, he knows when I'm doing stuff, but you know, just like any, he's just not that interested. And I get it. It's not his thing. It has been a really huge creative expression for me and a way I want to interview people. I want to get to know, I love people and their stories. I love interviewing designers, women-owned businesses, people that are, you know, aligned with the same goals as me. And I just, I can't tell you how humbled and honored I am that you were willing to come on as a guest and enlighten our listeners and talk about Fashion Over 50 and talk about your book. Everyone go get Melissa's book. Lies my mother told me. Mine is all marked up. It, it's such a feel-good book. And honestly, it, if I didn't like it, I'd be like, it was okay. No, this is a great book. I love that you loved it. I'm so glad I did the show. I'm so happy to be able to wish you a 100th. I think that's amazing. Keep doing it. And every time I tell my stylist now it's uncomfortable and I can't breathe, I will think of you. That's amazing. And would you (laughs) please come back? Anytime. Anytime. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, Melissa. I hope you have an amazing day and I can't wait to listen to your next episode. I'm a proud supporter of the group text. And again, I'd like to invite myself to be in your group text. But again, don't make, don't say no, just say maybe. Hey, maybe. Just say maybe. If if I have the right topic, I will bring you in. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so honored. Thank you so much. Um, Please come back. We wish you all the best. We are such huge fans. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Holly Cates. This has been the Fashion Crimes Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram. Hook up with us, send us a DM, send us snail mail, let us know what you want to hear. I really, really want you to sign up for the Insider Bestie Crew where you get our newsletter so you get the fresh, new podcast delivered to your inbox every single week. I am Holly Case, your favorite personal stylist, and as always, the only Holly you need to know. Thank you so much. This has been our 100th episode. 
From me and my new bestie, Melissa Rivers, we are out.